And um, the Lord has been kind of bold with his people. Uh, He's been sharing some things that are upsetting to him in their behavior. And uh, we've been looking at that carefully. We'll list a few of them in a minute, so I don't uh, necessarily want to rehearse them right now. But there is a verse I want to start with that's not in Malachi. I wrote it right up on the notes. Uh, talks about being weary in well-doing. And the Lord Jesus addressed this, or excuse me, Paul addressed this when he said, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This was Paul's encouragement to the believers in the church there in Galatia. And uh, kind of the same attitudes haven't changed much. And so I was just telling Dan as he was heading out, he's got a responsibility he needs to go to. So, but I said another time God lays page two out to follow Sunday school because one of the things that Dan had ended with this morning was about our attitude often affects the way we are uh, in our relationship with God. And that's where we're going to be picking up. How many of you, don't you lie to me. How many of you get weary sometimes in well-doing? I do. Uh, It's something we need to guard against. And uh, so with that in mind, understanding what Paul had instructed the church, listen to what the first phrase in Malachi chapter 1 verse 13 says. Ye said also, behold, what a weariness it is. So here in the book of Malachi, which we have been reminding ourselves how much it is like the time that we're in now, Uh, that the children of Israel had been serving the Lord for years and years and years, and they had forgotten a few things. And their response, and remember last week we talked about the fact that they were serving, but they were doing it as if God owed them something. They were doing it from a heart of uh, kind of spoiled children, Uh, and it was a very religious rites and activities. There wasn't a whole lot of heart behind it. And now their response was that God brings out is, what a weariness it is. And I wanted to make sure that we are understanding this because eh, we just admitted sometimes we can grow weary, can't we? So with that that in mind, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, what it teaches us. Father, you know us so well. Lord, you created us. You knew exactly what our struggles would be. Father, you designed this ministry, this service, this relationship with you. Lord, it's a privilege to be a part of it. But Lord, you also know where some of our struggles and weaknesses are going to be. And Lord, you're addressing them here. So help us to to learn from uh, the children of Israel as they had gone years and years and years serving. And Lord... uh, forgotten some things and uh, lord you're reminding them of the importance and the privilege and who you truly are so father be with my mind help it as i share thank you lord that i'm not the teacher that i don't have the truth your holy spirit is the teacher and your word is truth and so father help us as we look into us give us exactly what we need each one of us thank you in jesus name amen So a couple of things right off the bat. There's an attitude that God is addressing here with these children of Israel and Malachi. And here it is in in this first verse 13. I've kind of summarized it by what they say. It says, number one, what a weariness. Again, 
remember the context. They are doing all these things in the temple. They are offering sacrifices, all the stuff that they had been complaining about. And basically their attitude is, I'm just tired of it. And you and I, if we're going to put it into today's terms, going to church, serving the Lord, being a witness, doing the things that God wants us to do, I'm just getting tired of it. That's where they're responding. And again, then they snuffed at it. And we'll look that up in a minute. That's a fun word. Okay, we don't use it very often, but we do use it once in a while. Okay, and we're going to look at that. And what a, but basically, you ever just go, <sighs> especially that's a teenager, that's like the teenager's main word, right? Like whatever and, <sighs> hey, what are you going to do? You know, I asked you to go clean your room. Okay, that's kind of the idea. Just a huff breath like, uh, shut up. Okay, You'll, we'll get there. It's interesting. And then they brought again that which was torn. Okay, and that's what is stated here. We'll look again about lame, something deficient, something that's not acceptable to God as an offering. But these were the attitudes. So God has been rolling this down and saying, listen, you've forgotten some things. Next slide talks about what they had forgot. Oh, well, weary and well-doing often called being burnt out. You ever hear that in Christianity? Somebody's just burned out. Okay, and we, I can roll back to uh, the thing we talked about in Leviticus, that if you put the proper things on the altar, it never burns out. I'm not going to re-preach that one, but I was just thinking about that because we talked about having the barbecue grill over here for the church picnic, right? You put that barbecue grill on there and you put some... 80% ground beef, and that stuff starts dripping all that fat. And you know what happens, don't you? <laughs> it's got a flare-up, okay? It doesn't burn out. As a matter of fact, it's burning hotter than you want it to. And you wind up with little hockey pucks for hamburgers, right? Okay, and we talked about that in the book of Leviticus, the fact that you offer the fat, the blessings, God's abundance. You understand your relationship with him. You'll never burn out. Anyway, that's a Leviticus message. Um, there is a definite connection between one's attitude and being burnout. And how many times, oh, this is what they're saying. Oh, it's so, oh, go back, okay. It's so much of a burden to serve God. You don't understand. My time is valuable. Up here in, uh, in New England, it's uh, coming around in other places, and you can hear it in country music and some of the other places. Sunday is my fun day, right? I, I don't got time for God. I, you know, I, he just wants me to enjoy life. And it's such a burden to serve God. It's so heavy. It's such a weariness. Woe is you. <laughs> what is it? Can't see this on the recording, so I'm playing the smallest violin. You guys know that, right? Poor baby. Okay, now we go to the next slide. They had forgotten some things, and this is what God has already rehearsed to them in the whole first chapter. He says, number one, you've forgotten the love of God. Now, if you and I could park here again, and I could preach a whole other sermon right on this subject, we don't deserve one bit from God. We are sinners. We violate his commandments. We're broken. We're disgusting. We're vile. We deserve hell. Now, that's not usually where we put an amen, but an amen fits. I deserve hell, so do you. But God loved us. 
Now hold on to that, because that is going to be the theme here that God continues to build on. He, our Heavenly Father, loved us so much that he reestablished the relationship between us, and it's something precious. Okay, think about for a minute your sweetheart. And what that relationship was like. And I'll come back to this in a minute, but you'd have done anything for them, wouldn't you? I remember when I was dating in high school, I had to tread softly because it's not the woman I'm married to now, um, but I didn't have a driver's license at the time. Uh, and so I would get on my 10-speed bike. Y'all know what a 10-speed bike is, right? Like antique. Like a 10-speed? What do they call that? A 10-speed actually had the bent handlebars, right? They don't make those anymore. But I would get, and I would ride 40 minutes on that bike to get to her house. Okay? It's like a 20-minute drive in the car, but I'd get on it, boy, golly, and my legs would be pounded <laughs> just to get there. Okay, just to see her. Come on, now keep that in mind because that's what we're talking about. When you understand that immense love and what effort you will make. All right, now, they, they stopped honoring and fearing God. Remember, God says a father has honor, a master has fear. Okay, so they've forgotten his love. They've forgotten the fact that he ought to be honored and feared. Uh, They claimed, hey, yeah, so what? We're servants of Jehovah. Whoop-de-doo. They got to the point where they had forgotten what it was like. They were taking his name, and I wrote it that way purposefully, because so often when we say taking the Lord's name in vain or taking God's name in vain, we think of cussing. Okay? We're talking about claiming his name. I am one of his children, but they've forgotten what is love. They've forgotten his honor. They've forgotten his fear. They stopped living Remember I used the illustration of stolen valor? Will you dress up in army fatigues and pretend you served our country and you didn't? Okay, that's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm not a God's kid, so what? Okay, they were not giving their best to God because they forgot to understand his love. Before, because they didn't realize he was their father and their master. Because of that, they stopped giving their best. whoop de doo I'm one of his. Eh, he can take my leftovers. Then they began to think that God owed them because of their leftovers. Hey, God, I'll throw this little bit at you, but now you owe me. I've, and this is what religion is all about, guys, in this world. This is why it's so important that what we do and what we have is not religion. It is a relationship. I told you I'd be back to this. Um, I st- <laughs> Personal illustration, and God helped me this week. As a matter of fact, in this last 24 hours, the light bulb went on. And I love that when God does it. You go, ding, and you're like, oh, wow. Okay, I hate doing things at my house. Now, I've been a contractor for years. I built houses from top to bottom, roofed them, plumbed them, done all kinds of stuff. And it never fails that when I work on my place of living, something goes wrong. I could, I've done millions of dollars worth of work in this community, and it goes perfect. You get in your own house, and you're like, why? Why can't it happen here? 
If I was working someplace else, it would be beautiful. I'm at my own place and And I realized something because of this. When I'm out working, I'm doing that for someone else. And so I look at what I'm doing and I'm thinking, this is going to be something that helps them to be happy. It will please them. It, so I'm doing it because I have a relationship now with that person that I've been, I'm working for. They would love this kitchen. It's gonna, it, the countertops are beautiful. It matches perfect. Everything's just, and I'm thinking, wow, they're so, going to be so happy with this. So I'm making the extra effort because of a relationship, and I'm doing it for that person. I'm going to walk away from that job and probably never see it again. Why does that one mean so much to me that I'm working so hard? But the one at my own house. The problem is the one at my house, I'm not doing it for anyone. I'm doing it for me. There's not that same motivation of I'm doing this because it's going to please someone else. Well, when you're in a relationship with your sweetheart, how much effort do you make to please them? Don't we do, listen, if I'm doing something for myself, eh, if it doesn't work out, whatever. But if you're making an effort for someone that you are in a relationship, especially for someone you love, you take all the extra steps because you're doing it for them, not for yourself. And see, this is the problem. You get into a religious activity where you begin to think God owes you, that you're not doing this for him anymore. Now you're doing this for you. Then attitudes get garbagey. Now I'm not doing it solely because God loves me and I want to do this for him. Now you're doing this like they were doing this. What am I going to get out of it? How come when I'm doing this for you, Lord, I'm not getting the benefits? It's a weariness. That's where the children of Israel have gotten to, and if we're not careful, that's where we can get to in our relationship with God. And there are millions of people around this world on a Sunday who are going into church thinking they're earning brownie points, thinking they're adding extra glory credits or something to their God credit card, and they're doing it because they think it's going to benefit themselves, not doing it just because they want somebody else to be happy. God went to me this week. And I realized that's probably one of my sore attitudes sometimes when things don't go well at home. Because my motivation is not I'm doing this so someone else will be pleased with it. I'm doing it because I want it. And when it doesn't work out right, then who gets the stink from it? Me. I make the extra efforts for others because I want to please them. Well, God is looking for that for you and I. So they began to think, and then they've forgotten that God's name will be great in this world. And that's what it's all about. I'm doing this because he is great. Not because of what I'm going to get out of it. Now, because of that, this is such a burden. Oh, the weariness. Let's go on. So there's a progression. And I want to look at two progressions today, two cures and two types of burdens. Okay, the first progression is you get bored, you get burdened, and you get burnt out. Oh, this is, why do I do this? What's the purpose? What's, and again, now, husbands, we tend to be the ones to blame 
when the romance has gone out of the relationship. Right? We'll woo until we've wooed ourselves out. But once we get the prize, all of a sudden you don't need to woo anymore, right? Come on, how many times have we talked about this, uh, that make special time for your spouse? If you don't make special time for your spouse, all of a sudden your marriage relationship become a, can become a working relationship, and then your marriage relationship devolves from a working relationship to just a relationship, and you get bored with it. And how many times do we say, make a date, do something special, plan something fun? You have to make the effort, because why not? You can get bored. And then all of a sudden, I'm not going to go into the details when what happens when a married couple gets bored. And then all of a sudden, they wind up seeking excitement from somewhere else. And before you know, that blooms into something that it shouldn't be. Preacher friend used to always say, boredom is just suppressed anger. You're just mad that things aren't going the way you want them. It's a very selfish attitude. But the problem is, if you're doing things and you get bored with it, I was never bored when my wife and I first met. Everything and anything I could do for her, okay, the woo was on 100%. I was 100%, woo! Okay? And I would do anything, man. Just, oh, I really love this, and I'd work extra hours to buy it for her. And uh, you know, you're doing everything. And all of a sudden, after 30-some-odd years of marriage, you're like, woo. Yeah. Yeah, so she sits down and puts all kinds of stuff in her lap because she's going to be doing some crafts while she's sitting there on the couch and she's like oh, I forgot my water and I look over at her and I'm like now if it was young in our relationship I'd have, been, I'd have been in the kitchen and back with the water before the sound stopped echoing through the room now she's like I forgot my water and I look over and go, go get it yourself Come on, you know how silly this is, but okay, you know how silly this is, but you get the point. When you are in that place where the love is so intense and that relationship is all about that other person, you'll do whatever it takes, and you don't have any problem with it. Of course, back in those days, I wasn't uh, so sore all the time, <clears throat> but you made the extra effort, and it wasn't a burden, was it? Because the person you were doing it through for meant everything to you. And you would do whatever it was because that relationship was so precious. But the problem is time ticks by and all of a sudden other things have stepped in the way and we kind of get bored. Then we get burdened. Then all of a sudden we get burnt out. And go get your own water. Okay? That's part of the problem. That's why they were, oh, what a weariness. My sweetie needs her water? Hang on, babe, I'll go. I'll be right back. Can you see how this, God is saying, listen, stop being religious and start remembering the relationship. That's what the important part here is. Go on. Okay, there's a cure. Okay, well, snuff that. I don't want to miss this one. Uh, the definition scripturally is to puff at, blow at, Give up, cause to lose, or seething. 
can't believe she actually wants me to get up out of my chair and walk all the way into the kitchen and get her stupid water, which she should have brought with her when she came in here. I knew she's getting senile. <laughs> right, teenagers? How's, your, how's things going to clean your room? <laughs> to puff at. We use this phrase, right? Bible, look, look at this. God uses this phrase in Greek, in Hebrew, in another place here in Ezekiel. He says, yea, I will gather you and blow upon you in the fire of my wrath. That's the same word to be snuffed at. God says, oh, yeah, this is how you're going to act? <laughs> yeah. The same attitude. This is, I'm going to blow on you with my wrath, right? Go clean your room. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Now, remember, we've been talking about these uh, people here in Malachi where they're like, what do you mean we've offered polluted bread on your altar? What do you mean we've forgotten how much you love us? <laughs> okay, again, I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> anyway, look at this. I told you we use this phrase. We don't always. You ever say something's not up to snuff? Meaning it ain't up to the level it should be? Sometimes these words in the, old, in the Old Testament, we think, oh, what kind of silly old English word is that? We still use this word, and it still basically carries the same weight. If you say something's not up to snuff, meaning it's not where it should be. God says, listen, it's, going, it's just weary. I'm just so done because of attitude. Keep going. So... This is how it's been throughout history. It will keep happening. There will be people who are in God's family, who are serving him in the church, who will get weary and well-doing, who will get bored and then get burdened, and then they're gone. You don't see them anymore. Keep, look. Two things can happen. Number one, people will just stop serving God. Okay, and we'll, we'll further this in a minute, but that's what happens. Look around. I think we all know people who have been here. We all know people in the faith who, man, I look in my mind back years ago and I'm thinking, man, if there was anybody who would never quit serving God, this is the person. And they're gone. Because they're burnt out. Because it started to be about the act of getting water for your loved one. And it stopped being about doing something special for that person you love. That's why religion is a problem, because sometimes it's all about what you do and not about the person you're doing it for. People start leaving service, so what do we do? Number one, make sure it ain't you. I'm telling you. I thank the Lord that God decided to put us in the church. I love this. Now, you guys are going to think I'm weird, which is not a surprise, because I am weird. But I love looking around God's family. And in my heart, I'm like, you know what? I love that sister. I love that brother. We're in a relationship together. We do things. You know, there's some days I don't want to be here. <gasps> don't you look at me like that. You know you feel the same way. There's some days I don't want to be here. Now, you really want a shocker? Okay, hold on. Don't breathe all the air in the room at once. There are some days I don't even come here because of God. <gasps> and I know it's not right. 
Because we're talking about this relationship with our Heavenly Father. But you know what's kind of cool? Sometimes I come here because of my relationships with you. Because I know how much I love God's family, and I'm here because of that. Now, again, I know I was wrong. I could convince myself, Lord, you just want me to take a day off. Yeah, just lay here, right in this bed. I'm fine. Lord, you were cool. This is great. But then I realized there's a lot of other people in our family that we have a relationship with. And I don't know about you, those days you are sick and you miss a Sunday, you miss being with God's people, don't you? Because we have a relationship. I love the fact that God didn't say, you're going to be a Christian and then you're just going to live on an island all by yourself. God put us in a family. Because it's a desire to be with the people who you love. It's an amazing thing. So, make sure you don't get burned out. Focus on the relationships that God has built. Number one, your relationship with you and him. But number two, the relationship with you and his family. Because again, you can get really frustrated because you're doing stuff around your house and nothing's going right. But then when you understand you could be doing some things for other people. And the fact that I showed up on a Sunday morning so I can see somebody's smiling face. So I can hear their prayer requests and their needs. So I can bask in the glory that God gave them this week because he blessed them in a certain way. It's not based upon... Well, 9.30 is Sunday school, 10.30, maybe get out by noon if pastor will shut up. Um, and it's all about duty, as opposed to realizing there's something special. Remember what we've been focusing on? We have the privilege of being a part of something amazing, just like a marriage. It is something amazing, but it can become boring, a burden. And then you just get burnt out. So don't become one of those people, number one. Number two, if somebody you know gets that way, get with them. Remind them that they have a relationship. So, you know, you just go tired. Of, Are you tired of being my friend? Well, no, of course not. Well, then come on back to church, man. This is not about sitting in a pew. It's not about ca- taking attendance. It's not about, oh, my goodness, my giving record. If pastor ever counted how much money I put in the blade, I don't care. I want you to be in relationship with God and his family. That's what it's about. That's where, how you avoid getting burnt out. Remember, it's not about tasks. It's not about rites. It's not about rituals. It's about relationships. That's what God is trying to focus on. We'll hit this a little harder as we get down the verse. Okay, next, ver- next part. Number two, we'll see what happens here. Now, God is dealing with the fact with these folks, they didn't decide to leave the church because they were tired of being there, leave the synagogue, stop serving. They just started serving him with the attitude of, this is so weary, this is such a burden. Now, Dan said this this morning in Sunday school. You guys were here, and I love this. I almost gave an amen and ran up here and started preaching my sermon. Okay? Because Dan went ahead and reminded us what Jesus had said what Paul had said, that if you're going to come here with the wrong attitude, just don't come. Because you're not doing God any favors. Hey, again, think about that. Again, I know I'm beating this to death, but God gives us amazing illustrations. If you're in a relationship with your spouse and 
you don't want to be doing the stuff you're doing for them, do you think they're going to appreciate it? Can't believe I got to go into the kitchen and get a stupid bottle of water that she forgot. It's ridiculous. And you come stomping back in and you say, Here! I want to get back to watching my football game. Do you think she in her heart's thinking, Oh, I love him so much. It's just so wonderful what he did for me. No, she thinks, Shh, I won't ask you to go get water anymore. Come on, God gives us these illustrations. Why do we think that coming to church or serving God or doing what he asks us to do with a rotten attitude, God's up in heaven going, oh, that's just so wonderful what they're doing. No, he's going, why are you even doing it for then? And this is what God's saying. The children here, now let's read the, all, the two verses together as a lump. We've been covering this piece by piece. Listen to the whole thing. He said also, Behold, what a weariness it is. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. Ye have brought which was torn and lame and sick, and thus brought an offering. Should I accept this at your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver, which has in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrificeth it to the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts. And my name is dreadful among the heathen. God says, you think this is impressing me? Now, so one thing you can do if you get bored and burdened and burned out is you just leave. One thing you can do when you get bored and burned and burdened and burned out is you come to God and you start serving him with a lousy attitude. And you're, this isn't even worth it anymore. It's such a weariness. I can't stand this anymore. You know, I'd rather have you just stay home. And so would God. Go back to the Sunday school lesson. Okay, the relationship turns into just religious duties. You know what it is, Pastor, to carry the weight of the ministry that I have to do. Being married is so hard. Having children is so... Yeah, if you base it on the duties, but if you realize the preciousness of the relationship, it's something special. I heard an interesting commentary the other day. A lady just asked a group of people, have you ever asked your parents why they had you? There was a bunch of young people just going into college and said, ask your parents what was the reason they wanted to have you as a child. And then she went on and talked about the fact that there are people in this world who want a child for a tax break. There are people in this world who want a child because... They can get uh, money from the baby daddy. And you think it's funny. It's, there are people that get on TikTok and put out a video and say, I have had five different kids with five different men so I can get five different checks every month and I don't have to go to work. They didn't have children because they cherished the relationship of bringing a child into this world and growing up someone that you have the responsibility of allowing you to be a part of that person's adulthood someday. They're just doing it for the benefits of adding something to you so you can get your... Does it sound familiar? Hmm, I'm not doing this because of a relationship. I'm doing this just of what's in it for me. And that's the problem that they were having. Doing the ministry because, not because of we love God. What did they forget? What was the most important part? What was the thing I told you it hinges all on? God loves us. We don't deserve anything. 
and he loves us. If we base it on that, we'll never get burned out because you always want to do something for someone you love. The relationship turns into just duties because you fall away from the one you truly love. Keep going. God knows when you're faking it. The first part of verse 14 says, but cursed be the deceiver. Now catch this. God's saying, oh, this is such a weariness. Huh? That's what you think. Oh, we're just so tired of offering all these offerings. As a matter of fact, we're not even going to offer our best anymore. And God says, don't you think I don't know what's going on? And then, guys, I'm, I wrote a phrase here that's going to shock us. Okay? You're not fooling him. They weren't fooling him in Malachi. God curses them. Keep going. Now, I want you to see the progression here. Told you there's two progression. Number one, you get bored, you get burdened, you get burned out. Second progression, look at the language here. He says, number one, you have what God desires of you. He says, which hath in their flock a male. You've got exactly what God wants from you. Again, remember what God's asking. He wants our best. He doesn't want broken. He doesn't want lame. He doesn't want, you know, something that's uh, not the best. He says, you got it. But then it says, number one, then you vow that you're going to give it. But then number three is you offer something that's less than the best. You see what it says here? It says, number one, you have a male in your flock, vow it, and sacrifice unto the Lord a corrupt thing. Raising the children. You know, they're not always going to get straight A's. Some children do. They're just amazing that way. They're not always going to be the most proficient in sports or get it, you know, in whatever they're involved in. They're always not going to be the best, okay, because everybody has their weaknesses. But one of the things as a father that used to frustrate me is when I know they weren't even trying. When I know they could do better and they weren't even making an effort at it. I don't know if that frustrates you. I've worked with people like that, where you got a crew, and everybody else on the crew is doing their best, and this person's just kind of goofing around. And they're getting all the benefits of being a part of the crew as we get work done, but they're not putting out really any effort. You ever get frustrated with that? Well, God says, listen, I know you have exactly what I'm asking for. I know you've actually promised to give me that what I'm asking for. But then you're turning around and giving me something lame and broken. And How frustrating is that when God looks at us and says, I know you could do better, but you're not. Why? Because now it's just a weariness. Now it's just a burden. You're not even trying anymore. And God says, don't think that I don't understand this. He says, cursed be that deceiver. You have, you can do better. I know that math grade is a C, but I know you know math. Next report card, that better be an A because I know you can do better. My parents tell the story. I hated school. Not because of learning. I liked learning. Okay? I just got a couple of very Helga the Horrible German, you know, do your work! Kindergarten teacher, first grade teacher. By the time I got to third grade, I hated teachers, man. These people were, these couple of women were just miserable. And um, what would happen was I'd get my work done 
And then as a kindergartner, if you get your work done, you are going to sit there like this. Right? I finished my paper. I'm just going to sit here completely still. Okay? They didn't pop Ritalin like they do now. So you start goofing around as a student because you already finished your paper. And then you get punished. So what I learned was you do your paper, you get an A, and you get punished for it. So I started to hate school. Went on through high school, up into high school, and you take your, what is it, PSATs, the uh, achievement test. And my parents, I had, I, I, I blew it. I really blew it. I had them convinced I was a C student. Okay, it was, it was perfect. It was excellent. Mediocrity all the way. Until the PSAT. And I'm like, ooh, a test. I love tests. They do really good at tests. And it filled out the test. They sent it in. All of a sudden, I'm in the principal's office with my parents. And um, the principal, who, thank the Lord, was a Christian in this public school, sat down with my parents and said, here's Craig's scores in the PSAT. He is not a C student. Said, he scored like 93rd percentile. And I went, and he said, we are no longer going to accept C student work from you. No, I wasn't thinking. I ruined my, I was just coasting through at a C. But all of a sudden, they realized I wasn't doing my best. I wasn't putting out the effort. And they looked at me and said, the gig is up. And from that point on, I ha- my report cards, I wa- I'm not saying it to brag. I won't tell you what they were, but they were better than C's. Okay, and you know, just thankfully. But that was the thing. They realized, they looked me in the eye and said, he is not even putting out half an effort. And I was just like, crud. I had such a good thing going. But that's what God's saying here. He's saying, listen, curse be the deceiver. You think you're hiding the fact that you have all these things that I'm asking for and you're even promising to give them to me, but now you're not giving it? You're not putting your best effort out? God says, I know better. Don't think I don't figure this out. Keep going. What did God give for us? Everything. Matter of fact, Dan in Sunday school, and I keep referring back to his sermon because I tell you it fits so well. He was talking about this exchange with the ransom that we talked about in 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 1 Timothy. And he was talking about the word was often used to trade equal people. If you had a general in prison, you'd... exchange a general or something of equal value what i love the fact is when jesus made the exchange he had equal value with every single person that will ever exist on this planet his life versus everyone and he still comes out on top what did god offer for you and me he offered everything he offered the absolute best. You could not get any better. And so he's saying to these folks, listen, um, you think you're pulling one over on me and not offering your best? What do I offer for you? Keep going. If you do not offer your best, it will result in a life that is cursed. Now, this is where I said you're going to look at me and go, that's kind of harsh, Pastor. As a matter of fact, I wrote it up there. That God will curse you. And you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm on board with that, Pastor. Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. So then because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, 
I will spew you out of my mouth. God's speaking to a church there. Now, remember what the choices were? Either just leave or get in 100%. If you're not going to have the right attitude, why are you even coming? God says, be hot or cold. Because if not, you make me want to puke. That's what that word means. He says, I put it in my mouth and I just want to spit it right out. I just want this to be understood, what God wants. And I'm telling you, raising children and realizing they're not putting out their best effort, you know they could be doing a whole lot better, makes you want to puke. Well, what does our Heavenly Father think when we do that? This is what was happening. Now, again, I'm not harping us. I just want us to remember, we're not pulling one over on God. Uh, You know, Lord, whatever. I'm bored. This is weariness. It's such a heavy burden. God says, don't think you're you're kidding me. He says, you make me sick. That's not me. I'd love to say that was pastor. I didn't write that verse. I didn't say you're cursed. God said that. Keep going. Jesus said, let your communication be yay, yay, or nay, nay. If you're going to be in, be in. If you're going to be out, be out. Don't be mediocre. Don't have it. Vow you're going to give it, and then don't give it. Okay, remember we talked about a story about Ananias and Sapphira? And they promised they were going to give the entire price to the Lord. And they came in, they didn't give the whole price, and Peter confronts them on it, and God kills them on a spot. God, don't play around when it comes to this. Let your yay be yay, let your nay be nay. Man, I think a lot of politicians need to see this verse. Okay, keep going. How to avoid weariness. Number one, did you see it? God is a, the great king. I put that in there. It says a great king. He has a purpose for that. I wrote the great king. You and I have a relationship with the almighty God, the Lord of hosts. I remember how special that is. You want to, uh, you know, go back to those days when your loved one, your sweetie, was the world to you. And you would do anything, and you, you'd spend hours on the phone talking. And when you hung up from the phone talking, you write a love letter. And then you, you just, when you remember who that person truly is, God says, listen, remember who I am. That'll help with this relationship. Number two, or my name shall be dreadful among the heathen. This is something that's amazing to me. Remember we already talked, it, it, <clears throat> excuse me, in the verses before this that says my, great, my name shall be great among the heathen. Okay, that that's God's goal is to make himself the center of all worship in this world. But one of the things he says here is, my name will be dreadful among the heathen. What do most people think about a God? Come on, I, I don't want to, but it, it was Zeus or Thor or whatever. Pick, pick a group of people in a religion. They generally think they're up there waiting to punish us, don't they? That's the general consensus. That's one of the amazing things about Jehovah God that sets him apart from every other God on this planet, conceived, dreamed up, whatever, that every other God is looking to punish people. God is focused on loving people. Now, there, there is consequences, but God is a God of love. But notice what he says here. He's like, the point is, Even the heathen know that I am dreadful. You think you're going to pull a fast one on me? 
You think you're going to try to deceive me and not get a curse from it? Everybody in the world knows that you don't mess with God. But you, the children of Israel, have forgotten how important this loving relationship I have, and you've just abused it. And now it's a weariness, it's a burden. And you think you can pull a fast one on me, and I'm not dreadful? You think I'm going to let you get away with it? Understand what God's saying here. And again, this is one of those points. Remember a couple of weeks back we talked about God is love, but God also hates certain things. And people in this world have forgotten that, that they're out there thinking, oh, God is love, I can act however I act or do whatever I want or identify what I want to be identified, and there's no consequences because God is just love. Well, I'll tell you one thing. God is love, but he is also one who will curse. You will not deceive him. He is dreadful. An old preacher used to preach that sermon, sinners in the hand of an angry God. God will exact and get his glory whether you give it to him or he takes it. Okay? He's just making a point here. You, my children, think you can deceive me? The heathen know I'm dreadful. Why do you forget? Okay, now, a couple quick things. Our attitude, listen. Is serving God a burden? Now, do, do, I didn't say, is it easy? It's going to be tough sometimes, isn't it? Okay, Apostle Paul writing several of his books from prison. Okay, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. All right, Jeremiah preaches his entire life, never sees one convert. It isn't always going to be easy, but is our attitude the fact that this is a burden? Now, again, this is so silly to make this comparison, but it's right there, so I'm going to use it. Getting up to get my wife a water and coming back to the kitchen wasn't necessarily the thing I wanted to do. It wasn't necessarily easy, but it wasn't that much of a burden if you have the right attitude. Oh, yeah, hang on, I'll go get that. Jeff Foxworthy, quoting him in church, is real good, right? Talked about how his wife and her mother were so excited about how they had him trained. He says, I'm laying in the bed reading a book. He says, my wife sits down and says, I'm hot. He says, I wasn't hot. I was perfectly fine. I closed my book, stood up out of the bed, walked over and turned on the fan, and then got back in bed and said, Mama, I've got him trained so good. And then she says, I'd tell your daddy, but I said I'm hungry, and he's on, on his way to town to get a sandwich. You do things, and they're not an effort. They're not a burden. Because you love that person. Is serving God a burden? Or we do it because we love him. And we're happy to because it's for God. Keep going. I got, what do I got up here? Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there's a twist here. You remember I talked to the first week. The first verse of this book says, the burden of Malachi. It was a burden, but you can have a burden that's easy. When you're doing it for the right reason, for the right person, it may be an effort, but it's not that big of a deal, is it? It's something you're happy to do because you're doing it for the people you love. Notice here in Psalms it says, here's where our burden really should be. For my iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. Cracks me up. If we're going to have something that's 
weighting us down that makes us feel it's a weariness it should be our sin not our service for god but we as christians sometimes get so bored because we forget the relationship listen if there's going to be a burden in our lives let it be sin not serving okay let's almost done religious rules and regulations are a burden an intimate relationship with god is not If you're just doing things to do them because you think it's something that has to get done because you're a Christian, that can become a burden. If you're having an intimate relationship with the God of this universe who loves you, that's never a burden. Psalms, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. What does it say in 1 Peter? We love this one, right? Easy one to memorize. Casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. Like next slide. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take upon take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The theme for our sermon this morning is weary and well doing. God says, if you have the right relationship with me, it'll never get weary. It'll always be restful. Not necessarily, not an effort. Effort will be made. But when you make it for the right reason, it doesn't weigh you down. It doesn't become a burden. Keep going. Here's the last slide. Are you weary and well-doing? I hope not. Now, I say that because every one of us admitted we can get weary and well-doing, can't we? That's not one of those questions where we go, oh, the answer's always no to that one. I guarantee you in a church with this many people in it, that somebody might be answering yes to that question. I am going weary and well-doing because I forgot why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it because i got to check off some lists on a thing. I did this, Lord, did that, Lord, did this. Okay, we're all set. No, I'm doing it because I love you, God, and you're worth every bit. Number two, are we bearing the wrong burden? Because if we're weighing ourselves down with sin and behaviors we shouldn't be, that is a burden. And you know, a lot of times the reason that people find their lives so boring and find Christianity is such a weariness because they're living their lives separated from God by things in their life that they need to get right. That that confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That if we'd have those issues put aside, our relationship with God could be fresh and new every morning like God's word says. Cast your burden upon the Lord. This life is going to be full of things that are heavy, full of things that are a burden, full of things that are uh, a weariness to us as human beings. But the service of our Heavenly Father, our loving God, should never be one of those things. We never have to be weary in well-doing. We can always serve God like that loving Father and want to do anything that he asks just because we love him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for so many things in our lives that point us to this understanding of a relationship. Lord, you created relationships in our lives to remind us of the privilege of being in a relationship with you. 
Father, as always to me, you could have created us like any other creature on this planet who just has offspring and that's it. There's no connection. There's no long-term development. Father, they lay eggs, they have babies, and they just go off in their own directions and never a part of one another's lives. You never designed that for us, Lord. We are surrounded by relationships. Father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, brother, sister, our entire existence is based upon relationships, and there was no mistaking that, Father. I know that. Because you want us to be in a relationship with you. Not serving because we've got to do some sort of duty. Not doing some sort of religious right. But Lord, honestly offering ourselves unto you because we love you. Giving, a, giving you our best because you deserve it. Father, if we continue to do that, if we remind ourselves what a precious, intimate relationship we have, serving you never gets old. And so, Father, I please, as you've made this family that's called the church, we have the opportunity to remind one another the relationship we are in. And Lord, many of us have seen folks walk off and get burned out because they have forgotten the precious relationship. Lord, help us here in our church and with our brothers and sisters in Christ to always be reminded of what a privilege it is to be in this relationship with you. Father, thank you. Now, we're going to go out, Lord, and I pray somehow this week we would be able to remind somebody else who's longing for a relationship with you, and they don't even know it, that we would be able to stand up and not bear your name in vain, but proudly represent the fact that your name is great in this world and we have a privilege of knowing you father thank you so much in jesus name